Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Anyways, hello and welcome to Drunk Dish, where three delicious <laughs> dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode number 31. Um, and now this part's <laughs> a little confusing because what I have written is we will be discussing St. Anthony the Abbot, um, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. Right. So anyways, I'm Sorry. Melissa. <laughs> I'm Amy. And I'm Kate. <laughs> Yay! We did it, guys. We did it. We Virtual did it. high five. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that was loud. I'm sorry. That's I'm fine. sorry, everybody. Um, so now that we've introduced ourselves, every episode, Kate likes to ask us one food-related question. So, Kate, what is our question for this episode? Okay, so the picture that I just sent you guys um, yeah. is the reason that I thought of this question um because the picture that i just sent for you guys of you guys looks amazing to me it's like chocolate cupcakes Mm -hmm. made with um white claw with cherry white claw seltzer um Mm -hmm. to you know i think probably have lift i guess in the cupcakes i think they look delicious so question yes where is the picture you sent oh i sent it oh text oh Yeah, which, I mean, with Amy's service up there in the boondocks. Oh, wait, not boondocks. That's not what I meant to say. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean. (laughs) Up in the boonies. Yeah, I got it. I got it, though. Sidebar, I would not be surprised if that was somehow uh, racially insensitive to say boonies. mm, I'm going to look into it. Continue. So we we see this picture of these cupcakes that I do not think look good. But we all have different. I don't like filled. It looks like they're they're filled. filled. I don't know if they're filled. I think it. One of them looks like uh, it. Doesn't it look like it has stuff like oozing out of it? mm, That one that's been bitten into. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Or like it's like undercooked. All right. Which well, I anyway. don't think they would put in the Food Network recipe of the day. We're, just, and we're not even letting Kate get her question out. We're just destroying I this picture. I'm already drunk. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't, like, I don't like fruit and chocolate. So right there, I'm out. Oh, all right. Mm. Okay. Because well, I'm any, a fucking heathen. Anyway. Um, so, well, this was the, the, I, the sort of inspiration for my question. Because mm. <clears throat> I don't have White Claw in my house for um drinking let alone for making with recipes right um amy i assume you do (laughs) what do you think i'm drinking right now (laughs) well get to that Uh um but my question is is, do you have anything any booze in your house that is only there for a recipe Mm. i mean mean, go go ahead sorry (laughs) We both said, I mean, at the same time and in the exact <laughs> same way. Uh, yeah. I wasn't going to like fully answer. I was just going to say, of course I do. And I don't, by a recipe, I don't mean an alcoholic beverage drink. Oh, for like, like a food recipe. Yes. Yes. Mm. 
So my I mean meant <laughs> that that may be what I originally purchase it for, but when I need to improvise, I improvise. Okay. <laughs> I will okay. I will never go thirsty. Is right. my point. Same, so I, same for sure. <laughs> so and it's a pandemic out there right now. So, you know, trying to limit the amount of times to go out to the grocery store and the liquor store and so sometimes, you know, I dip into the sherry that I use for tomato sauce. Oh, my God. Okay. You have sherry? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to. I could go on a whole thing right now <laughs> about sherry, but I won't. I will save it for at some point someday when I can talk about sherry on an episode. I'll. I'll okay. We don't have time. Okay. <laughs> now, the sherry that you have, is it cooking <laughs> sherry or is it actual, like, sherry wine? Sherry wine. Okay. Because I, it's like I know myself. Right. So, like. Just in case. I know I'm probably going to drink some at some and point. even amongst sherries, there's so many different variations. Right, right. <clears throat> uh, okay. Okay. Melissa. I'm really struggling to not talk about sherry. Um, <laughs> I just learned about sherry, so it's, like, very fresh in my brain. Um, I'm trying to think, and I don't – honestly, I don't think so. Like, sometimes we will cook with, like, red wine or whatever. Um but we very rarely buy red wine to cook with it. Usually Greg's like, oh, I need red wine for this recipe. And I'm like, oh, I have, I'll just open a bottle tonight and you can use some of that. Or I have some left or whatever. Um, the closest thing I could think of, which isn't a food, is when I made the clarified milk punch. Mm -hmm. um, that takes port wine. Oh, okay. Okay. And I have literally only used it to make clarified milk punch. I haven't used it for anything else so I think that might be the closest thing and it's probably not so good because like fortified wine you're supposed to keep in the refrigerator after you open it and I didn't know that at the time so it's just been sitting on my bar cart for like a year uh, um mm. so it's probably not any good that's the only thing I can think of okay all right well How mine is kind of similar to those um I we I have one recipe that I make that is a like a pasta recipe with a white cream sauce and mm. it calls for sweet marsala which I would mm. never drink in a glass um, but it's delicious and it just adds this perfectly sort of rich sweet marsala flavor <laughs> yeah. to the dish yeah um, no that's so, a distinct flavor like I yeah. even know what that tastes like and I've never had just marsala wine just yeah. like whatever regular yeah so I think that that's the I think that's the closest. I, I mean, I think the rule for cooking with wine is or is usually if you won't drink it, don't cook with it. So right. that's a fair a, a fair uh, thing, Amy. Well, yeah, because <laughs> it concentrates it. So you don't want yeah. it to be like super stringent and right. like bitter when you cook it all down. I think it's funny that all of ours is just like variations on wine, but not yeah. just straight wine. Mine's port. Amy's mm -hmm. is sherry and yours is Marsala. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that that's, I think those are fair, fair assessments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't cook with alcohol that much, surprisingly. I like well, to I know drink that you, it. Yeah. Same. Well, there's, yeah. And I, I feel like, again, like I have um, like a couple of recipes for like a custard, like a French toast kind of custardy thing that mm. you, you would put. Bailey's in or you would mm -hmm, put, mm -hmm. you know, Kahlua in or something. But again, those are just things I would drink for drinking. So yeah, I don't um, have any cream 
like cream liqueurs. I would probably mm-hmm. only buy them to like, yeah, make something like that. Like I don't have yeah. Bailey's. I don't have Kahlua. None of that stuff. I mean, I don't currently have any of those. Well, things. yeah, but I I have a fully stocked bar cart. <laughs> right. So you, I feel like you are. it's like you a are. bit of a miss to not have any of those. But I just, I don't know, something about creamy and alcohol to me. I just don't. Yeah. Not your, not your favorite. It's not my thing. I would much rather just put some whiskey in my coffee than Bailey's, <laughs> even though Bailey's flavor is delicious. You ever had that Haagen-Dazs? Oh, my gosh. Like mm, Bailey's yes. shake? Oh, my mm-hmm. God. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. So good. Yep. It's so good. Real That's good. all I want right now. It's like, it's 80 degrees in this room right now. Ugh. It's, uh, yeah, it's gross today. But anyways, that was a good question. You kind of stumped me on that one. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, I like that, that I didn't really, I wasn't just like, oh, yeah, it's whatever. I was just oh, like, yeah, oh, shit. Obviously. Now I, <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like I have to cook more with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, well, Melissa, speaking of alcohol, what uh, what are you drinking tonight? Um, well, we'll talk about what I'm drinking. We got to change this up because it doesn't work anymore because you oh, say, yeah, I guess that's you true. say, Melissa, what are you drinking? And I mean, I, I set this whole thing up. So this is on me. Mm-hmm. Melissa, what are you drinking? And because we're recording remotely, I go, oh, great. But Kate true. and Amy, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, even though I already pretty much know what Amy mm-hmm. is drinking, I would like the details. So Amy, what are you drinking? I am drinking. Ruby grapefruit white claw. Ooh, busting mm. out the grapefruit. Yep, that sounds delicious. Yep. I, I go through three cans when we record an episode. So, Ooh. and that was the only flavor I had three cans left of. Oh, you don't want to mix. <laughs> yeah, you got to stick with stick with one. Yeah, okay. so be is consistent. This, is this the first time you've had the grapefruit flavor? Oh no, I've had all. Oh, the flavors. okay. Are mm. they all good? Is there one that you like more than the rest? Yeah, I like um. The, there's a dark cherry or black cherry, and that's really mm-hmm. good. And then yeah. there's um, there's another one that I really like that's like a red fruit, and I can't think of the name of it. Blood strawberry? <laughs> Not start raspberry. Raspberry. Oh, yeah, raspberry is my like absolute favorite. But they the the nice thing is that like there's like lemon and lime flavors too, and those are really good to like mix with juice to like make like a little yeah mm-hmm. fritzer. Mm-hmm. So they're all I like sure. I like all the flavors. They can be mixed up and added to stuff and maybe I nice. They are good. If I drink too many, I get a tummy ache though. Mm. Yeah, I think my my stomach's indestructible at this point. <laughs> Kate, what are you drinking? Um, I think that this may have been what I was drinking the last time we all mm-hmm. um got together. I have a um crystal light Fruit, it's not fruit punch. It's like a mango green tea mix oh, and yep, um, yep. some Malibu. <laughs> so that I think that's what you were drinking when we didn't record last time. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so Amy sense. didn't get to hear how yeah. delicious that sounds. It's really good. Mm. <laughs> it just I just really want to throw that in a blender with some ice. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Actually, it would be delicious. And I think a little bit of mint in there mm. would, would make it like just real. But with that's ice. That. I've got two mint plants right now, honey. We can make this happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So (laughs) I, so I wanted, since we're doing a saint, St. Anthony of whatever, something this week or this episode, I wanted, of course, to keep my cocktail in the 
a Catholic family because uh, Catholicism is wild, y'all. Um, so I picked the Bronx cocktail, which <laughs> I'll get into a little bit after I tell you the recipe about why I picked this cocktail. Um, but anyways, this uh, cocktail is pretty good. Um, it's pretty much like a, a gin martini, but with orange juice in it. Um, so it's two ounces of gin, a quarter ounce of dry vermouth, a quarter ounce of sweet vermouth, and then one ounce of fresh orange juice. Um, and then one dash of orange bitters. Every, pretty much every recipe I've seen has said the orange bitters are optional, but honestly, I've had it with and without. Um, and I think that the orange bitters... 100% like take it over the top in terms of like a good cocktail. I, I don't know what it is about bitters. They just kind of like up the layers of the drink. If that yeah. makes any mm. sense. I'm not a fancy person it talking about right. like whatever, like freaking flavor profiles and stuff. That ain't me. But um, I really think the orange bitters like kind of bring out the flavors of the gin. Um, and then of course the orange juice, which is nice. Um, you just literally put all those ingredients into a shaker, fill it with ice, and then um, strain it into a um, chilled cocktail glass and then drink it up. Uh, it's really delicious. Honestly, I thought I wasn't going to like it. Um, but if you're kind of like put off by martinis, because martinis tend to be pretty dry and like, I mean, it's just either vodka and gin or vermouth. So right. it can be it can be a bit much. I I can definitely see that. Adding just that one ounce of orange juice really like freshens it up and lightens it up, and it's really good, hmm. um, which I love. So the reason I picked this drink specifically was because I was on online and I was trying to figure out like I already did champagne, so I can't really talk about like the invention of champagne, which was invented by monks, Catholicism. Like that's a really easy connection. So I stumbled across an article from um, the Catholic Herald <laughs> about the perfect Catholic cocktail. Um, which <laughs> the fact that that even exists is hilarious to me, but it is the Catholics and Catholics know how to, how to have a good time. Yeah. They're all so, about booze and partying really. Yeah. So, um, I pulled this directly from the site. I have a little bit more history after that, but I just want to say, cause there were multiple drinks on there and this was just one that a, we hadn't done before and B just seemed interesting and I hadn't tried it. So I was like, yeah, let's do this one. Um, so this was recommended by Charles Cologne. Um, and I didn't write down what he, what he, he's obviously a part of some church, you know, I don't know, fucking religion. <laughs> Maybe um, the Catholic church. No, no, I don't. I'm joking. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Melissa. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm a little punchy. I don't know if you know that. I'm very drunk, which is why we could not move this very much later. Because I had already <laughs> look. I had a long week. <laughs> this week was a long week at work. I'm sure Kate can attest to what her husband has been through this week. For oh, sure. Uh, and mm. I had about twice as many things Ugh. to Ugh. listen to and absorb this week. Oh, no. Um, so it's been a long week. So I started drinking. As soon as I clocked out, which was like four <laughs> four thirty, um, so That's this fair. is this is directly from Charles Cologne. So he said, "My nomination is the now little known but once prominent concoction known as the Bronx Cocktail." 
deeply rooted in the gritty Catholic immigrant experience, the Bronx historically having provided a refuge for Irish and Italians, among others, it rose to prominence during Prohibition, when Catholics as a whole were considered quasi-criminals by the upholders of temperance. During these horrible dry years, I just love that. (laughs) During these horrible dry years, it was composed of one-third orange juice, one-third gin, and a sixth each of dry and sweet vermouth, strained through ice and served in a martini glass with a twist of orange peel. Its ingredients moderated each other's worst attributes. The harshness of the often bathtub gin was ameliorated by the orange juice, while the frequently underage vermouths canceled out one another's failings. It was the speakeasy drink of choice from California to Maine and was not only Al Capone's favorite drink, but the first potation ever had by Bill Wilson. Do you guys know who Bill Wilson is? No. No. Um, Co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Um, So I actually looked a little bit deeper. This is literally the first drink that he ever had that started him down the path of being an alcoholic. Like, he drank this and was like, this is great, and then moved up from there. (laughs) Like, his first drink wasn't beer or wine. It was this fucking cocktail, which I just find insane. Anyways, uh, so this last part, given that Catholic Americans today are no less in opposition to the cultural mainstream than they were during the dark days of the noble experiment, the Bronx (laughs) cocktail is the perfect drink to rally around. Now, if we can just bring back the Charleston. I'm going to take a sip. (laughs) Now, I do roll my eyes a little bit at the like, oh, like Catholics are like, so people don't like us. But to be fair, like Catholics have always been discriminated against. Like Mm -hmm. we can't have like if a politician is Catholic, it's like a thing. Was it was it JFK that was Catholic? Yeah. Yeah. Kennedy's. And that was like the first and only. only... Yeah. Mm hmm. Only president that has ever been Catholic. The, uh, the 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 criticism against Catholics in America has been that they can't fully. I mean, the earliest criticisms were that they fully couldn't fully participate in democracy because they they their first loyalty would always be to the Pope. Which, yeah, no, I, I mean, is that wrong? We don't need to. You know, we don't need to. <laughs> I it's mean, whole, you know, the whole thing. At, at least the Pope is a real person. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, so now we get into <laughs> a little bit of history. Oh, boy. Okay. What? Did you want to say something, Amy? Well, I mean, like, as a the Pope as opposed to, like, the president and the laws of the land. That's true. But I know even in, like, um, monarchies, mm. um, if if someone was Catholic, it was, like, a big deal because you're, you're – you, you answer to the Pope and not to God kind of thing, even though the Pope is technically right. Yeah, that was, a, it, but anyway, we're, we're definitely going to do an episode on King Henry the eighth at some point. Baby. And, How do we and we'll that? talk about all that? Uh, Cause he loved fucking food. Like I'm yeah, sure that like, food. all right. <laughs> I'm sure all there's right. a food specific story in there no, that I can latch right. onto that to then talk about the entire Tudor dynasty. That's for an true. hour and a half. I was just going to say, how, how long is <laughs> this going to be? Six parts. Look, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't have time for you to do that. Like, if I don't, <laughs> if we don't have time for me to go through the history of rum, you don't have time to go through the history of the fucking tutors. <laughs> I know. 
we can only talk about the uh the show was it showtime the showtime show <laughs> with uh what's his with face henry cavill's in that um he? no well, he is in it but he doesn't play not, henry yeah, the eighth. henry the eighth is john reese myers yeah and Anne boleyn is played by the infallible <laughs> natalie dormer all i remember from that show is that the the guy that plays the henry ejaculate the he eats no he eats a grapefruit very seductively oh he does everything seductively in that i show. know but I, there's I just thought... there was like a 10 minute scene where it's just like a close-up of him eating a grapefruit and making direct eye contact with the camera and it was like i need to stop watching i this. like that you brought it back to food i'm thinking about the scene where he literally has like a servant catch his ejacu- ejaculate for him oh yeah I forgot about that. Like he jerks it and the servant sits there with a towel out mm-hmm. to catch it. <laughs> well, I mean, he can't leave a mess. I know. It's just like, I bet that, I think that's real. I think that's one of the show, things the show probably gets right. <laughs> I bet. Uh, they can't be expected uh, to clean up anyways. Okay, we're uh, getting we're getting way off. Yeah. Henry VIII sidebar over. So... <laughs> Um, Now on to the actual history of the cocktail. So uh, essentially the accepted, because there's always, always um, different stories, especially about these kind of 1900s cocktails. But the accepted history of the Bronx cocktail um, begins in the Big Brass Rail Bar, which was inside New York's Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Um, And this was back in 1906. Um, So... It's said that this cocktail was the result of a dare. Um, of course it fucking was. Yeah. <laughs> barman, barman, um, who has an amazing name, uh, Johnny Salone, um, whipped it up oh. after a customer challenged him to create a new cocktail on the fly. Um, <laughs> so they dared him to create this new cocktail. So then essentially he took like a perfect cocktail and add orange bitters. Or I'm sorry, a perfect martini wow i can't guys i'm drunk (laughs) um a perfect martini um which normally is made with orange bitters but instead he swapped out the orange juice um and reduced like the vermouth ratios that are normally in it to basically just a splash i think this is why the orange bitters is um generally listed as optional in the recipes because the orange juice was supposed to replace the orange bitters. But like, honestly, Mm. I think it's much more well-balanced with the bitters because orange juice and orange bitters are not at all the same. Like orange bitters are like when you smell like the rind of an orange or when you express like those orange bitter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those like orange oils and that smell that's like bitters. So anyways, um, so, uh, obviously, the ro- result of that, he called the Bronx after the zoo he had visited the day before. Um, and everybody, like, went wild for it and loved it. Um, so, around this time as well, like, juice-based cocktails started to rise in popularity. Um, especially during Prohibition, when the juice was often used mm. to, of course, cover up that terrible bathtub gin or whatever moonshine you were mixing into a yeah. drink. Um, it could kind of mask all those flavors. So um, the Bronx cocktail really became a standout around this time. Um, but then be uh, by the mid-century, uh, the cocktail had pretty much faded into obscurity as vodka kind of took over from gin as the clear spirit of choice, which 
I could fucking go on like a three hour rant about how vodka is not even close to <laughs> the spirit that gin is. Vodka is like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's literally, I want to put it in this cocktail and I don't want to taste it, but I want to get blasted. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. That's vodka. There are obviously very subtle differences between different brands of vodka. And I'm not saying that vodka can't have, you know, different aromas and different layers and flavors, but. Like, it's vodka. At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't taste like much, and it can be overpowered super easy. So, anyways, fuck that noise. (laughs) Uh, So, like I said, this is pretty much the accepted history, but, like, all cocktails that were um, invented in the 1900s, its oranges are somewhat contested. Um, Some evidence suggests that it was the creation of Philadelphia bartender Joseph S. Sormani in 1905. Um, Sormani's New York Times obituary even credits him as the cocktail's creator. Um, the recipe cited. <laughs> That's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> the recipe cited, however, omits dry vermouth, which technically makes it an orange blossom and not a Bronx cocktail. Um, mm-hmm. And then it, adding on to the confusion more, because this is what happens in the cocktail world, both yep. Henry Craddock um, and William Boothby, who I have spoken about multiple times on this show, further cloud the history of the Bronx in their respective cocktail manuals. Craddock presents three different versions. Boothby, meanwhile, credits one Billy Malloy from Pittsburgh with a recipe that keeps the orange bitters and cuts the OJ down to just a spoonful. Wait, and so they, they think some dude from Pittsburgh invented yes. the Bronx? Mm-hmm. That seems dumb mm. and unlikely. I don't know, man. These fucking cocktails. It's like a soap opera. Like, I feel like you could do a show or like, I feel like drunk history Mm -hmm. could do just cocktail history, like do a series of cocktail history episodes Mm -hmm. where two drunk people just argue about who actually invented a drink. (laughs) It's like (laughs) every single drink has multiple people that are like, oh, actually, I invented it like six months before you did. Uh (laughs) And as I said in the last episode, there there is this thing that happens with humans where we often find things and invent things around the same time, seemingly yep. separately. Um, and while exact proportions and stuff in cocktails, that seems like a little bit like, okay, well, you didn't just like happen to come up with that around the same time. There, right. there remains the possibility that people could be inventing very similar things mm-hmm. at the same time. I mean, I've quote unquote invented um drinks that i'm sure if i really dug into the history and looked up there's probably a variation of those exact cocktails that i supposedly invented under different names yeah melissa hey i try okay (laughs) everything has been done is the point i know But of course, in the 1900s, this was not the case. Um, And I think that really just comes down from people not um, really like bookkeeping, essentially, like not history keeping, not writing this stuff down because they're just throwing a bunch of stuff together. They're not thinking this is going to be the next hit drink. I need to like patent it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's wild. People just got to have more confidence in themselves. You got (laughs) to assume you were the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you write it down, and then historians can go back and figure shit out way easier. That's true. Well, that's all I got. It'll wow. be easier for people in the future because we've got all this, like everything is recorded now. Right. right. Yes. 
that. That's true. Yeah, there's a digital footprint for everything. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to historians of the future will be able to like recreate a moment in time. They're gonna get they're gonna get into twenty twenty man, and they're gonna be like, oh. "What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I know. What a it's, mess. It's a real rough year for everyone. Yeah, it's not great. Anyways, uh, Amy. Yeah, I'm gonna blame. Us- Oh yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna blame why I fucked up this week's topic on 2020. On 2020 being here. <laughs> yeah, 2020's fault. Okay. Yep. So, in in my defense, so there is there is a, a I, I guess so. I you know I have a lot of Catholic family members, uh, mm-hmm. and there is one one specific Saint Anthony that always comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is St. Anthony of uh, Padua, who is the patron saint of lost objects. Mm-hmm. I think he's the most famous St. Anthony. But in Catholicism, there's one, two, three, four, five, six different St. Anthonys. There's six yeah. of them. Can I, so, real quick, yeah. in my defense, because I picked these saints, all the saints in the list I picked. Mm-hmm. But in my defense, I specifically looked for saints who were saints of like, insert food, food or insert <laughs> food like uh um process patron yeah. saint of farming pa- patron saint of butchers patron saint of beer so i wasn't looking like yeah i mean i'm sure you're going to talk about like the saint anthony's feast and whatever right that's yep. like boss you'll get into it but like i don't you say oh he's the patent patron saint of lost objects why would i pick that <laughs> Without doing all the research, without doing all the research that you're gonna do, (laughs) I don't fucking know. He has like the one of the world's most famous feast days, and that's why I thought. And and we've mentioned it before when we talked about Boston food in in the North End food, and like we we had like I'm not saying like I should have read more closely. You didn't read the thing. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And it's funny. It made me laugh when you texted me in a panic that you would research the wrong person. I thought this is hilarious and I will make fun of her for it on the show. That's great. (laughs) And here we are. Yeah, here we are. So I will be talking about St. Anthony of Padua today. I'm going to really dig into his history. Padawan? Is he a baby Jedi? (laughs) Not Padawan. Padua, um, which is a place in in Portugal. Uh, But I'm also going to be talking like really briefly, like I'm going to mention all the other six saints. And he's actually named for the St. Anthony that you wanted me to research. Which is hilarious to me. Yeah, that's so weird. I love it. We're connected. (laughs) Connected in that I like completely fucked this up. Well, like, and... <laughs> you know, sometimes we get our wires crossed, but yeah. we're, we're on the same level. Mm. <laughs> we're in the same ballpark. Mm. Okay. <laughs> You're a genius. You can do no wrong. Don't uh, worry about it. Yeah, I don't know about that. So <laughs> the other St. Anthony's, real quick, St. Anthony, Mary, Sicaria, which I'm probably going to fuck fucking butcher all of the Italian names. Sorry, I'm not a real Italian. Um, he was a doctor and priest in Italy. They're all, they all have something to do with Italy, except for St. Anthony the Abbot, uh, who was a hermit in Egypt. 
Um, as you mentioned, Melissa, he's the patron saint of butchers. Uh, but he's really famous because he gave up all of his worldly possessions and then would like argue with complete strangers about how they too <laughs> should give up all of their worldly possessions. Cool. So Christians. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> there's uh, St. Anthony Daniel, who was a French colonist. Wait, 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 wait. Ooh, damn, Daniel. Anthony, Daniel. St. Anthony Daniel, he was the patron saint of C-3PO. <laughs> I think Amy and I were both taking drinks. Yep. Of our drink when you said that. Oh, I know. Sorry. Kate, oh, bubbles. Kate, you're such a bubbles. nerd. Yeah, that's the I thing. Love it. Oh, and there's St. Anthony Mary Pucci, uh, who was an Italian <laughs> priest, and he cared for the sick. Pucci is a fun name to say. Yeah. It's especially Pucci fun is. when you've been drinking. <laughs> So, like I said, Melissa, I thought you wanted me, because I didn't read, I thought you wanted me to go over St. Anthony of Padua, the patron saint of lost objects, because there is, like, he has the biggest fucking feast day out of all of the saints. So, feast days in Catholicism used to be, like, way bigger and more important than they are today. Um, St. Anthony's feast, which, uh, when celebrated in Boston, is called the Feast of Feasts. Um, It's an annual celebration. That's never happening again. You, yeah. Um, it's about to be like, we should go to that. Oh, wait, yeah. it's 2020. Okay. Yeah. Good day. yeah. Maybe in like five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a huge deal in Boston and New York City, anywhere where there's like a big Italian immigrant population. So if you've heard of any Catholic feast, usually this is the one you've heard of, unless you like mm-hmm. read a shit ton of Shakespeare or are yourself Catholic. Because um, there's a bunch of Italian or not Italian. There's a bunch of Catholic feasts mentioned in Shakespeare plays too. So the one of the questions I had when I started digging into this is like, why is this synonymous with Italians, and what is with the importance of food? Like, why is mm-hmm. like all Catholic saints have a feast day? Um, we could literally do, we could have like seasons of our <laughs> podcast just dedicated to the saints and their feast days, and like what what traditions surround them. Mm. Um. But St. Anthony of Padua specifically, too, he was, like, he had a lot of history around being, like, a really good host uh, and putting on kind of, like, a good party. So I'll get into that, too. So uh, most of the saints, the name that we know them by, that's not the the birth name. That's not the name that was given to them at birth. So St. Anthony of Padua was actually born Fernando Martins. Um, Fernando. Fernando. Yeah, yeah, that's immediately... (laughs) That song just was just playing in my head the whole time I was researching. (laughs) Um, Really distracting. But he was born in 1195 to a wealthy Portuguese family. Uh, He claims at a very early age he was called by God to study. So at like uh, 11 or 12, he went to his parents and he's like, hey, mommy, daddy, please send me away to go study Catholicism. Send me to this abbey. So they're like, okay, I guess if God told you to. And they sent him away to an abbey to study with a bunch of monks. And there he learns Latin and he learns all about theology. Um, And he's still Fernando at this point. So Fernando ends up becoming a priest um, and he's named the guest master of his abbey. (laughs) The guest master. Wow. Not the key master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, now, like, I just, I just have Fernando stuck in my head. <laughs> like, it's all I can think of. Like, the stars were bright. You know, yep. it's just welcome in to there. my life. 
So he's in, he's like kind of like the master of ceremonies for this abbey in Portugal. Um, he, he's like in charge of entertaining any traveling monks or priests that come through. And at this time, like that was kind of like the name of the game with Catholicism. You didn't say put, like you would go and travel and speech, uh, preach and give speeches and try and convert people, but also try, cause there's like a bunch of different factions of the Catholicism already starting to happen. Like what's the best way to convert people? Um, and what's the best way to like actually follow the teachings of Jesus. And Are so they? there's all these, yeah, there's all these <laughs> differing ideas. So that like all of the priests at this time would literally just travel from like Abbey to Abbey and be like, oh, you should be doing it this way. You should be doing it that way. And there are all these big philosophical discussions. So Fernando's job was to like entertain anybody who came through. So he was in charge of menus. He was in charge of like putting together the, the um, food and booze selection and making sure that whoever stayed had comfortable accommodations too. So well, that's he's- great because you know. There was something in the air that night. It <laughs> <laughs> was going to be a whole thing. They were so, shining there for you and me. Oh, boy. If you know. <laughs> so some priests come through at his abbey. And uh, they tell him about these friars that happened to settle in outside of Cambria, which is another large city in Portugal. He's in Lisbon at the time. That's where his abbey is. Um and they had formed a small hermitage, which was dedicated to St. Anthony the Abbot, or St. Anthony of Egypt. Um, Call back. Yep. Yep. So their their whole shtick was like, let's give up all of our worldly possessions. Let's live in poverty so that we can better, like, execute the teachings of Christ. And Catholic. Uh, well, it is, though. That's the thing. Like, the whole idolatry stuff, that... that really ramped up actually after protestantism ramped up i mean the church had corruption and was like spending a bunch of money on shit didn't need to spend on but when when martin luther like hammered his 99 complaints to the fucking front doors of the church the catholics freaked the fuck out and spent all of their money on like michelangelo and like amazing paintings and sculptures and like that's when the idolatry got crazy out of hand okay is in response to that because they're like Oh, people are complaining about this. Let's razzle-dazzle them. That'll yeah. win them back. They fucking Richard Gear that <laughs> shit real yep. quick. Yep. So at this time, like, the most most um, hermitages of Catholicism, they, like, they were preaching, you know, not maybe living without, you know, basic necessities, but living, uh, and not maybe living in poverty, but but living a very simple life. Um, and really being of service to their specific communities. So um, some of them, like, their focus was on traveling. Some of them, their focus was on poverty. Some of them, their focus was on feeding the poor um, and living among them. So they all had, like, these little kind of, like, niches that they would, like, get into as a way to, like, gain further support in their communities. But they were really the only, like, game in town, too. So they didn't have to worry about, like, losing people. Um, it was just converting people from paganism. Uh, so Fernando, he's the MC, right? This group of priests come through and they're like, Hey, there's this new place. It's named, uh, for St. Anthony of Egypt or St. Anthony, uh, the abbot. And, uh, Fernando starts to feel this longing to go and join this group. And he asks the priest in his abbey, please let me go. Please let me go. Please let me go. And finally, they're like, okay, fine. Like they didn't want to let him go. Cause he was so good at his job. Yeah, they're like, at, what are we going to eat while you're gone? Right. 
like he was he was the guy that like curated the menus and and the wine selections and like he was in charge um there was a it's not called a distillery back then but like he was in charge of like making the wine um you know he was in charge of sourcing the food from local farmers like he was in charge of all of those things so they didn't want to let him go cuz he's really good at it but finally they let him go so he goes and when he moves there he changes his name to Saint uh, to Anthony, so in honor of Saint Anthony of Egypt. So obviously he's not a saint at this point because he's not done anything important yet, other than just being a really good host. <laughs> I mean, that right there should be yeah. enough to for Saint. True, sure. true. I M O. Yeah. So uh, Anthony, at this point, previously Fernando, he embarks on this journey. Uh, he, he goes to this abbey, he gets, um, accepted there, he changes his name, and then we're like, okay, so our deal is we live in poverty and we travel abroad to try and convert heathens, right? Like those evil pagan worshippers mm-hmm. all over the, the Middle East. So they're like, we're gonna send you to Morocco, and your job is to convert as many people as possible. And they put him on a ship, and he, like, immediately gets sick, puking his brains out. He's not a happy camper. He gets sent back to Portugal. He never even makes it to Morocco. Uh, they like have to like divert the ship because he's so fucking sick. They think he's gonna die. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Yeah. And the ship he boards, uh, like on its way back to Portugal, gets hit by a really big storm, and it ends up landing in Sicily instead. They get like way the fuck off course. Huh. So. Once he lands in Sicily, he travels to Tuscany, and he's in Italy, recovering, trying to feel better. And when he's in Italy, the priests in the Catholic Church, like the higher-ups, are just like, you know what? Just stay here, buddy. Like, you've had a rough couple years of being sick. Like, we sent you to Morocco. You didn't even make it to Morocco. Like, you couldn't even make it back to Portugal. Just stay. Just stay in Italy. We're not going to make you ever get on a ship again. Okay? Just rest. Uh, so he's in Italy now for good. Um, once he's recovering and feeling better, he has to do all this reading and writing and he's working, um, in this specific abbey and they hear about how great of a host he was when he was back in Portugal. So they kind of put him in charge of the same thing of the abbey he's staying in, in Tuscany. And what happens is some Dominican friars, they come, uh, to visit and he's staying with Franciscan priests. Um, and remember how I told you that there's like all these different factions of like how you be a catholic at this time Mm -hmm, or like how you mm -hmm. be a priest right so the dominican order is found in the middle ages and education is really their primary focus um all of the the friars under the dominican order are called black friars or hounds of the lord which sounds like really fucking badass yeah kate opportunity (laughs) there yeah hounds of the lord or black friars i like Mm -hmm. it Mm-hmm. Yep. That's your Either new band name. Awesome. Definitely. I'm yep. I'm trying to decide which. Like um I think, I think Black Friars is Ooh. the name of the band and Hounds of the Lord is the first record. Yeah. Oh, Kate. That's good. Right? You are a genius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always That's thinking great. outside the box. Yep. I love it. Yep. Okay. Hounds of so the Lord. First the Latin nerd. <laughs> the Latin nerd in me really appreciates why they're called Hounds of the Lord. It's a pun. Because Dominican, if in you're speaking Latin, you separate it into two words. It's Domini, which is the Lord, and Canes, which is hounds. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Nerd. It's a slow burn, but it's there. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, I don't get it. 
It's the, in Latin, if you take the word Dominican yeah. and you split it into two, yeah. it's Domini, which is oh, God, and Cain, yeah. which is Hound. You know, it wasn't that I'm yep. stupid. It's that I wasn't listening because I was taking <laughs> note that I want to call the episode Hounds of the Lord. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how to quickly do that. And in my rush, I wasn't listening to what you said. So I wow. am actually a smart person. Continue. Smart, smart person. So... So, like I said, education's their primary focus. And their whole shtick was like, okay, if people just knew about Jesus, if we just educated them, they'd be on our side. They just don't know. That's sure. it. They just That's don't know. That's always what it is, right? Yep. They're just ignorant. Yeah. If we enlighten them. Exactly. So that's that was their plan, was they're going to travel the world and educate people in the ways of Jesus Christ. And then the Franciscans, which is who Anthony is staying with at this time, they're founded by this dude named Francis Assisi. And um, they require that extreme poverty that we were talking about before, right? The same thing that St. Anthony of Egypt or St. Anthony the Abbot was really into was extreme poverty. Like, live in a fucking cave, be a hermit, have nothing, and tell everybody how awesome it is uh, until they join your cult. Yeah, I don't get it. Why does that accomplish? (laughs) Just misery. It's not like they're making money and they're giving it away. Sorry, Kate. Yeah. What? No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You, you. It was a good comment. So this has nothing to do with anything. But my, um, my grandparents who are who are are Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when my grandfather, this is a silly thing, but when my grandfather retired, uh, my no, no, when he retired, uh, his name is Frank, and my. Nunny, my grandmother used to call him uh, Sir Francis of Retirement, and I it was like the funniest <laughs> thing because they were like these two super super devout, adorable Catholic Italian people who just it was she just thought it was the funniest thing. Aww, sidebar, sidebar yeah. over. <laughs> That's really That's cute. Sidebar. Old yeah. people are so cute. Aww. Oh my gosh, they're. Yes. Mm-hmm. Adorable. Except, you know, when they're racist and voting for Trump. But otherwise, yeah. old people are so cute. Oh, no. My no-no is he's he's uh, he's on the right side of history on this one. <laughs> Guys, there's a, a uh, I want to call it a banner, but there's got to be a better word. It's the size of my fucking house. And it says Trump 2020 no more a bullshit. Billboard? It's not. No, it's cloth. Like it waves in the wind. But okay. like it has to be weighted down it's held up by a fucking crane where is this in tilton new hampshire oh i know haven't taken a picture of it and shared it no because i it's a busy road like it's impossible for me to do it safely but i flip it off every time i drive past it but oh my god it's the it's like so fucking big it is the biggest sorry it says trump 2020 no more bullshit See, when you said that, I thought it was like a anti-Trump. Like, no more bullshit. We don't. But now I'm realizing that you're saying that it's a pro. Yeah. And that's that's like the flag that I see everywhere up here. Not Southern New Hampshire. So it's fucking hell. (laughs) I mean, even Southern New Hampshire, I see my share of Trump signs. But those have drastically decreased. I've seen more. Like, people are like, oh, I like the racism. Let me let me let me say he's that really I really support him to now. Me. I'm yeah. anti-government, but I really like how he's sending these troops into all these cities. Yeah. All right. Great. We can't. We can't. Yeah. We gotta. I'm we sorry. gotta keep going. No, okay. it's all right. 
Okay, so Dominicans versus Franciscans, right? Like West Side Story, they hate each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Anthony's staying with the oh Franciscans. God, the, the Dominicans line. come to visit. Hold on. What? <laughs> As I said, we need to move on. The yeah. wine that I had for dinner tonight was paired with West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> the wine have- that you had for dinner, not with dinner? Well, with no with dinner. (laughs) For dinner? No, with dinner. (laughs) We had food. You think you think my husband would let me just have wine for dinner? Please. I don't know. I have you guys met dinner, so I had I had Pringles. You have children. It's different. It's different. I don't have any other responsibility. No. No, my dinner was definitely better. (laughs) It was delicious. He made steak in the sous vide. We had delicious mashed potatoes. Uh, made delicious through Kate's technique uh, and I had a delicious uh, wine red wine called um, uh, Stone and Bone Bones and Stones mm. which is from Spain and uh, they found a bunch of dinosaur bones during a recent renovation and that was what inspired the wine name Fun. Anyways, cool. anyways it was paired with West Side Story Nice. which apparently Steven Spielberg is currently making a remake of. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I mean, I, I think if it's like a modern twist, it could be fun. It's Spielberg. It'll be fun. I also feel like they should maybe get like a director who I'm like dancing now. It who <laughs> yeah, who no, is a Spielberg? member of the community for which the we, story is about. We mm. could yeah, yeah, you know, we could talk a lot about that. And I don't <laughs> I don't disagree. Yeah. But I am also saying sidebar over. That. Yeah, and we're moving on. The very <laughs> responsible thing to do. Okay, so Dominicans, Franciscans, they hate each other. They're visiting. Yeah. It's like the worst family reunion ever. Uh, and the Franciscans were like, "Oh, these fucking Dominicans. They're going to obviously like take over this whole like get together. They're going to be the one that delivers like this like the sermon this week." And the Dominicans were thinking, "Oh, these fucking Franciscans. I hate them." They're probably going to take over the Sunday and they're going to deliver the sermon. And then it gets to like Saturday and both sides realize, oh, shit, they aren't. And I didn't prepare anything. They're both being too too polite to be like, I'm doing the sermon. Yeah. No, they were both like, they were both like sophomores in high school and they were like, oh, shit. My, my science partners, uh, my my projects do. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. I thought thought they were going to do it all. I thought I was just making the poster. So enter the kid who always gets stuck with the fucking bill, Anthony. God. They're like, is this a fucking metaphor for you, Amy? I don't know what to call it. A metaphor or an allegory? Maybe. Maybe. Analogy. I don't know English words. (laughs) But Anthony, so they're like, dude, we've heard about you. You're the hostess with the Moses, but a dude. Hosts with the most. Hosts with the most. I don't know. Your Beetlejuice. You got your shit together. We need you, know you to do this. Party. Yeah, I need you to do this. And he's like, I'm not really comfortable. No, no, I'm good. And and the, all the priests are like, just speak from the heart. Let the Holy Spirit inform you. Sure. And he's like, fuck, I can't say no now. Because then they're going to think that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak through me. And all my priest friends are going to make fun of me. Yeah, they're going to think that I don't hear the voice of God and, um, you know, it's bad. Exactly. So Anthony ends up delivering this, like, really amazing moving speech to both groups. And he ends up impressing 
both groups, which is really fucking hard to do because they hate each other and they have completely different opinions on how Catholicism should be run. Mm-hmm. And Francis of Assisi, who later becomes a saint too, the guy who founded the Franciscans, Franciscan order, he's in the audience and he's like, oh, shit, this guy is good. He knows he what he's like, talking about. Dang, this guy spits fire. Yes. <laughs> yes. And brimstone. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take my cool youth language, Kate, and ruin it. I'm sorry, was that cool youth youth slang? I'm not. Bitten fucking hot fire, Kate. Oh, my God. So Assisi at this time, he's a big fucking deal in Catholicism. So he later becomes the patron saint of Italy after his death. Um, And he also becomes the patron saint of animals. His feast day is October 4th, FYI. Uh, He's also responsible for making the eucharist a thing so eating the little cracker like the body of christ i, I mean i like cannibalism to yeah get to eat during a sermon <laughs> yeah you know i get weak if i don't eat every hour yeah yeah <laughs> <sighs> okay he also <laughs> experienced the stigmata um, oh shit yeah wait during- billy yeah, well, I mean, according to Catholicism, I don't know so how much we can trust him. he stabbed himself, right? <laughs> so he had uh, what's called an apparition of ser- seraphic angels in religious ecstasy, which, like, sounds like a wet dream for God. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> going to say. Real. Religious <laughs> ecstasy? Fuck yeah. Yeah, there's an amazing poem written by a nun around this time where she talks about getting speared by an angel, and it's very erotic. I highly recommend. Oh. Um <laughs> Please to email. I will read. <laughs> so he was a really big deal in Catholicism, even when alive. And uh, Francis Assisi becomes really good friends with Anthony because of this one central event. Uh, and he gives Anthony like a level of authority kind of like within Catholicism. But all of a sudden this like this kid who was like kind of a fucking laughing stock because he couldn't even make it on a trip to Morocco, like gets like into the higher echelons of priesthood and Catholicism. Yeah. That's networking, baby. Exactly. Hey, so they become a network. Yeah. They become best of friends. Um, and Francis, it's really important because Francis distrusts others. Like mostly like he's kind of like got his head down and just working on his own poverty mm. spiel. Like every um, Francis I've ever met. Oh, um, and yeah, he, he uh, he also thinks that the Franciscan monks have like started to just like play poor and that they aren't like their hearts aren't really into the whole vow of poverty thing. So there's a bunch of division in the church. Uh, and Francis decides to put Anthony in charge of education for all the friars because he's like, this guy knows his shit. He knows what's up. And Anthony ends up keeping a book, writing a book um, to educate the men. And he... Like, he, like, literally writes the book on how to educate future generations of priests and friars. And the book ends up getting stolen. And then Anthony prays for its return. The thief returns it. Never is identified. But that's why he becomes the patron saint of lost objects. Um, Is because he prayed for something lost to be found. And it was. So Uh, mm. that was one of his miracles, which later leads to his sainthood. Wait. His miracle was that some dude <laughs> was like, what the fuck is this book? I don't even, I'm not interested in this shit. Uh, I'm just going to take it back. Mm-hmm. Like, that's his miracle. That's one of his miracles. Ah. The 
other miracle has to do with yeah, fish. Yeah, it's only one miracle, Kate. Right. One I'm sorry. shitty, sorry. boring miracle. Yeah, one garbage miracle. <laughs> I know. So at this time, too, like I mentioned, Catholicism was kind of like the only game in town other than paganism. So Catholics are really pushing hard to convert pagans. So a lot of like pagan rituals, as we talked about in the Easter episode, which was our very first episode. So it gets like converted and twisted into like Catholicism. So, for instance, there's like the story of uh, Demeter, Persephone, and Hades, which I don't know if you know, but Demeter's like essentially like a Mother Earth type goddess. Her daughter's Persephone. Demeter's in charge of like the harvest and making things grow. Hades kidnaps her daughter because like she was hot and he's a creep, uh, takes her to the underworld. And that's why we have winter because she spends six months in the year in the underworld. So we have six months of winter and then six months on earth and that's why we have six months of spring and growing season but anyways Demeter becomes kind of like a mother Mary figure um and like all of these different figures from paganism kind of morph into figures in Catholicism so the, the next how they do that huh I know it's, it's almost like they're just stories and they just kind of like take them and use almost. them for their own purpose huh mm, kind of weird so sorry I'm eating potato chip while I'm talking you're um, eating a what <laughs> potato chip there you go <laughs> i like it just regular potato chip what kind tell me it's a pringle pringle potato chip just like original plain, plain pringle yep. plain i can I'm get an down originalist. with that i can get down with that all right so, continue i wish i was so fucking eating pringles god damn it yeah they're so good oh my god pringles are uh, good i need to get some chips okay i'm also Saint anthony <laughs> his next miracle is that he goes in front of a Catholic church to priests, and there's a group of heretics, fucking pagans, and he attempts to preach them, and they don't want to listen to him because they're like, dude, you're fucking Catholic, we're pagan, we just don't do the same thing, right? So instead he walks away from the heretics, and he goes to the water and just preaches to the fish, and then the fish congregate around him, and the heretics are like, shit, he can control nature. He must really be preaching the words of God. So he just had like crackers in his pocket? Yeah, probably. He was definitely fucking feeding the, the fish. Yeah, yeah. That's def- that's definitely what it is. But because like, so anytime that there's like uh, proof that like you can control natural elements in some way that kind of speaks to like the pagan tradition. So that was Anthony's second miracle is that he, he preached to the fish and they listened and then they believed in Jesus Christ. I don't know. Well, thank um, goodness. What? <laughs> we would hate to have. I'm sorry. I was I was giving <laughs> chips. <laughs> God damn it, Melissa. <laughs> you don't have to repeat. I heard what I needed to. Okay. Shit is fucking wild. But now I'm eating chips like everybody else. I'm part of the group. Yay. So he does all this shit before he turns 35. Ooh, so he's a little baby. Yeah, he's like a wonder kid. He's like the Mark Zuckerberg of Catholicism. No, no. do you see that picture? <laughs> no. Oh my what god, picture? with the sunscreen? No. Oh my god, I will Does find. Does he that. Do have will... sunscreen on his nose and not no, no, rub no. it in? You wait. Yeah, you continue. Okay. But also, the okay. Mark. What did you say? The Mark Zuckerberg of Catholicism. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg of Catholicism. Yep. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, and he, right after his death, he becomes canonized by Pope Gregory the Ninth. So right away, they're like, this guy was a big fucking deal. We got to remember him. He taught a whole generation of priests how to priest. He uh, got <laughs> fish to listen to him. I mean, I hope he didn't teach them, you know, everything that we come to know about uh, priests. Yeah, probably not. And and uh, and his lost object was to return to him. Like, that's, he found his book, you know? So, all important things. So, it did not all take a lot things. to become a priest, or not to become a priest, to become a saint in this time, I take it. But uh, a lot of legends surround his death. Oh, Jesus. I just got, I, it's, uh, I have my phone set up so that I get text messages on my computer. It was very loud. Oh. <laughs> it was like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, maybe um, shut that off when you're recording. Yeah, probably. Uh, so, uh, when he dies, the children cried in the streets. And all the bells of all the churches rang out on their own accord. Meaning, like, without somebody ringing them. Mm. Fucking kidding me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Another legend. Uh, Babies crying, a, church bells ringing. Yeah. I don't buy is it, it. Is about his tongue. Uh, what? What? <laughs> so Anthony is buried. Tell, uh, tell me what he do with that tongue. <laughs> he's buried in a chapel with a large basilica built to honor him where his tongue is displayed for veneration. What the fuck? This is like Jesus's foreskin over here. What are you talking about? <laughs> Along with his jaw and vocal cords. That's fucking oh, weird. Oh, God, no. How is that not, like, sacrilegious? Like, oh, dismembering God. the body instead of giving it, like, a proper yeah, burial? Yeah, like, the whole thing about Catholicism is that Jesus going to come back and your body needs to be ready so that he can resurrect that shit. Oh, okay. So when he gets resurrected, he doesn't have a tongue or a jaw? I don't fucking know. But they <laughs> took it out because he talked to the fish, Melissa. And the fish listened. I wish I could talk to fish. Oh, boy. Or so, snakes. I'll join Slytherin. Fucking sign me up. Um, there's another... Th- <laughs> I'm going to just move on. There's another legend. Ooh, okay. That's built off of this. That like So the tongue that they have on display, they said that when his body was exhumed 30 years after his death, his whole body had turned to dust, except his tongue. Which, oh, okay. Quote, so they didn't take it out at first. Right. Which, okay. but still, that's, but that's still, it's fucked up. But this is, you gotta listen. Okay. Quote, listened and looked as if it were still alive and moist. Ooh. Moist? Ooh, moist. I yeah. mean, that makes more sense why they would put it on display, though, if I'm gonna be honest. Because yeah, they were like, fuck, shit, this shit is weird. like blessed dog, and we gotta display it. Yep, it's fucked up. So, in 1981, Pope John Paul II authorized a scientific team to study St. Anthony's remains because it was so fucked up. And the tomb uh, was opened again on January 6th. So, they took out the... Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, they looked at all that that shit again. I don't know what the findings were. We don't have time to talk about it anyways. What? Um, Fucking hell, what? (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I cared about this whole episode... (laughs) Ouch, Melissa. I want to know about that dead body. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it food focused. Ah, you're right. You're right. Per usual. So there were 13 favors um, that are ascribed to St. Anthony. So if you pray to him and you call upon him, this is what, uh, I mean, Catholics in general believe this, but like 
uh, Italians really believe this because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, he was best buddies with the patron saint of Italy, Francis Assisi. So they're like, oh, like St. Anthony's our boy, too, even though he's Portuguese, not Italian. But anyways, so there's 13 different things that like you pray to him for. One is to have a good harvest of wheat. So there's another food related thing. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> the next one is if you want to gain a copious amount of weight. What? Uh. Yeah, I don't get it. If you want to possess many strengths, if you want to enjoy a long life, if you mm-hmm. want to make the best wine, because remember, mm. he was a great Ooh. entertainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. If you want to be spared from violent death, if you want to <laughs> escape temptation of the devil, if you want to not sin, which I feel like you can pray to any saint. I was going to say for it that. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That should be, like that should be like all the saints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to be taken in by the snares of womanly passion. Well, I don't I don't want that. No. <laughs> I would like to be taken in by the ensnares of womanly passion, if I'm gonna yeah. be honest. Yeah, same. Not to suffer the betrayal of a man, to be spared from cholera, <laughs> to have Jesus. abundant pastures for grazing. <laughs> Wait, what was the last one? Sorry. I'm sorry, I snorted because I was laughing. Sorry. I know. Um, <laughs> to have abundant pastures for grazing. And the last oh, one pastures. is. Okay. Yep. So that animals do not get sick. Okay, that's um, nice. Yeah. So when Catholics started to colonize North America, they took St. Anthony with them, especially fucking Italians. They love their yep. saints. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, though, when Spaniards came over to uh, what's modern day Texas, uh, they actually landed on the day of St. Anthony's Feast, which is June 13th, and they re- renamed the Yanuguana River the San Antonio River in his nice. honor. Oh, yeah, cool. and then they, they built a monastery in his name nearby. So it's totally cool. Yeah. They just took something that didn't belong to them. I mean, uh, <laughs> literally everything. Yeah. We can't. Yeah, that seems you know, on brand. Yeah. yeah. It, um, it is. St. Anthony's teachings dictated that you must, quote, educate those in the ways of Christ. So, like, remember when I talked about, like, spreading the gospel? It's just the people are ignorant, right? They only knew, right? Yeah. So yeah. that his teachings are actually one of the um, primary texts that informed the idea of manifest destiny and the oh, colonization God. of North America. Oh, Lord. Mm. Yeah. So manifest destiny is built off of his principles. And there is... Um, because of this, there's uh, uh, his feast day is celebrated in the American Southwest. Um, and it's celebrated in kind of interesting way. It combines both Native American and indigenous traditions with Catholic ones, too. Um, which well, at yeah, least, like, again, on brand. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting to mix. Yes. I don't have a problem with mixing cultures. The problem is that that generally comes along with white people. Right. Completely monopolizing that other culture. Like, I like a mixture of cultures. Like, I think that's all good. Mixing is good. Everybody yeah. get all mixed up. It's great. <laughs> you know? Get a right, stew but, going. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the, the Catholic, you know, kind of They just take it as their own. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. that was yeah. already being enjoyed by people you know, they're and turning like, it into their own thing. They're mm-hmm. a PR firm. They're just coming in to, you know, like, get, you know... Reimage the brand. We we real. These are the things that you're comfortable with. We want to yeah. make sure that you have mm-hmm. things that are, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So there's this like really interesting dichotomy with Saint Anthony because he is the pa- patron saint of lost objects and things, and literally all of the indigenous people in North America are displaced in his name. Um, cool. so he's, yeah. 
So there's this really weird uh, push and pull going on there. Um, well, and then I the... mean, that has nothing to do with him, to be fair. Right. Like, it's he just... has no, obviously, no control yet after he's gone what his name and, right. and everything is used for. So the fact that he's a patron saint of lost objects are what make makes him resonate so much with Italians, too. So... When the there's two reasons why the first Italian diaspora happens, and one is that there's this mass migration in the 1880s because the Kingdom of Italy forms, um, so it unites all these separate like city states into one entity, and a lot of people didn't like that because it removed kind of local control. And then the other mm. is in the 1920s because of the rise of fascism. Mm. Um, both of these things led to like a really destabilized economy economy in Italy, uh, specifically in in Sicily and southern Italy. I mean, they picked um, the wrong side, dog. Oh, yeah, I know. I never forget, like, learning about World War One and how Italians like, literally Italians rode to war on bicycles. Rose, what were you doing? I don't know. <laughs> but they didn't, so they didn't have work and they didn't have food. So No, I mean, there were, there were mass. circumstances. Right. There were mitigating circumstances. That's right. a different podcast, though. Yep. So, obviously, the diaspora didn't affect Italians universally. So, it was predominantly poor rural Italians from southern Italy that were forced to move in search of work and food. And most came to the American Northeast. So, that's why we have huge Italian-American populations in cities like New York and Boston. And then these same poor rural Italians are the ones that held on to this kind of, like, hybrid of the bastardization of Catholic practices and pagan practices. So they were the ones that were converted to Catholicism, but only converted to Catholicism because they're like, oh, like the earth goddess is just like Mother Mary. So they really like latched on to St. Anthony and his teachings because they liked the idea of being able to like, it's almost like praying to different deities, right? Like praying to the saints, like of you know, so there's a saint of lost objects, there's a saint of animals, there's a saint of the harvest, there, like, there's there's all these, it's almost like having different deities. So mm-hmm. they, when they were forced from their homes, they felt lost, and they brought St. Anthony with them. So it was a connection back to their home and the old world. Um, so Feast of St. Anthony, it happens on June 13th, which is the day that commemorates his death. Um, in the north end of Boston, however, the Feast of St. Anthony, which we know as the Feast of Feasts, happens on his birthday instead, which is late August. So that's one of those like weird things that um, isn't like by the books with Catholicism. Sure. And it's because yeah. it was the rural Italians who brought this practice over and they combined it with several pagan holidays that happened in August to commemorate the harvest. I feel um, like that makes it better. Yes. That's yeah. Cooler. So. So, like, the Feast of Feasts, like, the the event that happens in Boston's North End is this commemoration of St. Anthony, but also this commemoration of this kind of, like, hybrid way of life for rural um, Italians who migrated and brought their traditions with them and, and led to generations of Italian-Americans that have this kind of, like, weird hybrid understanding of Catholicism and religious practices, Um the it was called Feast to Feast originally by the Guinness Book of World Records because it, it is literally one of the largest um, religious feast days in celebration. The only other would probably be Mardi Gras, um, mm. which we need to to do an episode on at some point. But yeah, um, list, girl. I know, I know. <laughs> but but most people know Saint Anthony, this Saint Anthony at least, because of his feast day. If they're not Catholic, like that's mm-hmm. what they know 
of him. So it all derives because of his connection to the Italian uh, diaspora and also because of the miracles that he performed, quote unquote miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it was a really interesting story and we celebrate with food, which yeah. is how we should celebrate everything. <laughs> I mean, we pretty much do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> every, every holiday or whatever has like a food component. Cause that's, I mean, culturally that's how people bond or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's yeah. good. That's so great. I think that was great. I like that a lot. Saints are just great. They're just good material. <laughs> you know? Catholicism in general is good material. If we can tie it for to food, I'm down. Yep. Like, let's do it. But before we wrap up, I do did want to tell you guys. So at work, Ooh. someone organized a uh viewing of Hamilton. Ooh. Oh. Like to do streaming, you know. Yeah, like you're all gonna watch it together, and then you know I was invited to it, yeah. uh, and then I didn't watch it. Oh, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, Melissa! <sighs> oh I'm so excited to tell you that I had the opportunity to watch it, and I didn't. Oh my god! <laughs> to be fair. I'm getting to the point where I don't think I want to. Um, it, you like to be contrarian. Well, no, and it's fucking almost three hours long. It, Fuck it's off. It's a fucking God. musical, Melissa. Yeah, what it musical is. is it's like two hours long. Kate, it's two hours and 45 minutes long. Yeah, that's not almost three hours. Into the <laughs> Woods is fucking four hours long. Yeah. Into the Woods? I don't, I've never fucking seen that. What are you talking about? Oh. You don't know Into the Woods? It's got Meryl Streep. It's got yeah. Anna Kendrick. Yeah. No, I've never it's seen it. Chris Pine? The movie One, is four hours long. Yes. Yeah, no, thank you. How about Oklahoma? That's two but and a half hours. This isn't a movie. This is like, it's not. But anyways, so. It's, it's Alexander so, Hamilton. We had planned. I helped plan this viewing. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, oh my Melissa. God. And I had two milestones You due. threw away your shot. I had two yeah. milestones due. And I texted my friend at work who nice. was hosting it because he has Disney Plus because he's a Disney shill. And he was, and I was like, I looked at Oh my God, I have to tell you something like, about Disney today. Okay. Oh Sorry. And Sorry. I was like, it's fine. And I was like, did you know that this movie's almost, or this play's almost three hours long? And he went, wait, shit, is it? And I said, oh yeah. And he's like, maybe I should split it up. And I said, yeah, maybe you should. And then he said, okay, I'm going to split it up. We're going to do it in two viewings. And I said, okay, cool. I'm still not going to be able to be there because I have to do homework. Oh my God. <laughs> and then they only ever watched watch the first half. They never <gasps> went, they never went, I assume he did, but like they did the showing and there was like nobody there except for him oh. and like one other person. Like people showed up and then they left. And then there was only him and one other person. And they were like, should we, are we going to do this again? And they were like, no. So it ended tragically. I I really, really like it. But I mean, I love musicals. Like, I love musicals. I was watching Watchmen. The I watched all of Watchmen already. I was re-watching it with Jake because he hasn't seen any. And mm-hmm. it's the first episode where they have Oklahoma Mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. like the play Oklahoma mentioned and they're singing songs and I'm like you know the song he's singing is the most technically difficult song in Oklahoma <laughs> like I'm, I'm never... like like nerding the fuck out mm-hmm. over Oklahoma references and yeah. Watchmen so like I... that's the kind of person I am but I'm not like a Broadway musical person I enjoy 
musical mo- movies that are musicals. But I'm not like, and I mean, like, I saw Wicked, like, if I'm live in there, of course, I mean, any live show is a fucking ball. Like, I'm probably going to enjoy yeah. myself. But, like, I've only ever seen, like, I saw Wicked. Um, and then, like, I've seen plays at, like, the Palace Theater, mm-hmm. which are, like, smaller. Like, I've mm-hmm. gone to, like, a lot of Christmas specials and stuff. But, like, it's just not my thing. And then, you know, maybe I got poisoned by people on the internet. I don't know. You know, yeah, I, d- I just a lot of people saying how corny and stupid it is. And I was just like, you know, it probably not. is. <laughs> OK, like if you've never watched a fucking musical in your life, then, yeah, it's corny and stupid. I can't but- imagine that these and you think that there are people that, oh, we're getting we can't. I didn't mean for this to get into a hole. <laughs> I just wanted to be an asshole and tell you guys that I had the chance to watch uh, Hamilton and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And we're probably never uh, Disney Plus took away their um, their free trial, so like we're never getting Disney Plus. <laughs> so I'll probably never see it. I can tell you, I can tell you my Disney story when we're done recording, or I can tell oh, you. Oh, you want to? You want to do it when we're done? I can. I can do either. I just don't want us to be over if you think we're over already. I mean, we are pretty over. <laughs> <laughs> no, you I know mean... what? Fuck it, do it. Okay. Do it. We missed the whole episode. We got a whole episode to That's make true. up for. This episode has to be three hours long. This episode <laughs> has to be as long as Hamilton. <laughs> Amy so and I what can are... start right now. We can make that happen. <laughs> yeah, so We're going to watch the Hamilton live on this podcast. No, no, no. Yes. We don't even need to watch it. We'll just start. Oh, yeah. just do we'll it. Just... Please, no. <laughs> I'll start singing Fernando again. Talking about the $10 founded father. Mm-hmm. Oh, um. So one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is one that doesn't need like a plug at all because they're highly successful, but uh, Science Versus. I don't and know what that is, but okay, they're, cool. They're owned by Gimlet. It's okay. it's funny and cheesy, but they like put what's like they put questions, usually what's like going on in the news or whatever, up against actual hard data and science, mm-hmm. and they break it down, which I find really therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But they did. I was listening to an older episode today, and it's uh, science versus lemmings. So uh, no, 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 yeah. no. I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> but go ahead. So they just dis- they dispelled. What they-, they dispelled that 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 oh, lemmings commit mass suicide. Yeah. Oh and they no, traced- I know they don't actually do that. Oh yeah, they traced <laughs> it back to a Disney documentary in which Disney forced uh-huh. lemmings. Yep. To commit yep. mass suicide. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. just what was another... the podcast called? Science versus. Okay, just just another example of how evil Disney is. But uh, I thought it was really horrible and interesting at the same time. I was driving my car and literally started screaming, "What the fucking fuck?" Yeah, yeah, no, it's terrible. If you don't know, listeners, Kate, you you know about this, right? What's that? The Lemmings thing. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I, I Obviously, mean, did not which, explain which, it well. I, I guess I'm not. <laughs> well, sure. I kind of interrupted you because I was like, I know what this is, and I hate it. Yeah. So there's there's a uh, common belief is that lemmings right. commit mass suicide, right? When right. you call someone a lemming, it means that they're yeah. dumb and they they uh, commit to herd mentality, right? Yeah. So that's actually not true. There's no evidence that lemmings have ever done that. The only piece of evidence, hard evidence, mm-hmm. that there has been that lemmings have done that was a 1958 documentary that Disney put out called the um the great wide world of disney or something like that it won a bunch of awards 
Yeah. But they they went to the Arctic and they filmed a bunch of different types of animals, lemmings included. And um, they they have this like really gripping scene of lemmings committing mass suicide and jumping over a cliff together. And it turns out years later that we, that we find out that that was actually completely staged where they paid indigenous kids in New Zealand to go round up lemmings, a quarter a lemming. And then they put them, they corralled them into like a very tiny space and then like herded them and forced them to jump to their deaths from a cliff and yep. filmed it and edited it in such a way that it looked like they were just doing it naturally. Mm-hmm. So they killed a bunch of lemmings and they interviewed Roy Disney in like the 80s about it. And he's like, yeah, we lost a few lemmings, but I mean, we would have anyways because they're lemmings. And I'm like, no, the reason why people think that shit is because of your documentary. Yeah, that's not true. (laughs) Yeah. So that is wild. It makes me so mad. It's so upsetting. It includes so many problematic things like 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 horrible well, just, use of capitalism horrible abuse of like well, indigenous people the, yeah the thought to do that the thought that this would be more compelling if we like who even fucking comes up up with that if i'm fucking having an aneurysm right now i'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like like the thought that someone okay i'm calming myself the thought that say the producer had to have the thought you know mm-hmm. what would sell this if we produced a lie that said that lemmings will just follow each other off of a cliff and commit mm-hmm. mass suicide, wouldn't that be wild? And the people around him went, wow, that's a really compelling idea. Yep. And that transferred to them fucking paying indigenous people to fucking corral lemmings and push them off a goddamn fucking cliff. Yep. yep. How does that fucking happen? That's like there are so many people involved in the production of that film, and not one was like, Oh, oh but yeah, the 50s. Let's go back to the good old fucking days. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's nothing compared to what they were doing to black people. Oh, God. You sent me down a bad oh, path, Amy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, spiraling. Melissa. I'm, I'm sorry. spiraling. <laughs> I highly recommend that podcast, though. <laughs> I I just subscribe to it through my podcast app, even though I don't listen to any podcasts anymore because I don't drive oh, anywhere. Yeah. Yep. And it's really hard and it sucks because there's a lot of really good podcasts that I miss. But I don't want to listen to them and then miss half of what they say because I'm I'm focused on working. I can't like yep. dual. I can't do it. Like I can multitask physically. I can't multitask like mentally. Yeah, I can't do that either. Yeah. You oh. must. You have kids. I mean, that's mostly just ignoring them, though. <laughs> that's <laughs> actively pushing aside your multitasking yeah. and being like, yeah. eh, they'll be fine. It'll be fine. They'll be fine. All right. We're going to end the podcast now. We've really uh, petered out here. Yep. So, you know, Sorry. thanks for joining us. Uh, bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit DrunkDish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at DrunkDishPod and Instagram at DrunkDish. And again, thanks for listening. It's good. That's wild. Did you guys look at the picture I posted in the chat? (laughs) Not yet. No. (laughs) Please look at it. I want you to see for yourselves the Mark Zuckerberg of Catholicism, which is Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs)
What? <laughs> what the fuck? He's what in white face. This is, it's so. <laughs> He's in white face. Is it it's the sunscreen? Is it Bigfoot? What is going on there? <laughs> it's sunscreen, and I felt bad. Like when I first saw it, I got really freaked out by it, and I was like, "I'm gonna see this in my fucking window at night." Like <laughs> yeah. I can't. But yeah. then someone pointed out something that I don't know. I didn't do any research into it. I'm just taking this at face value from what someone that I trust on the internet said. Um, that like the clear sunscreen that we wear is actually really bad for the environment and it comes off in the water mm. and it like kills fish and stuff where, mm. it, and, and it's whatever makes it able to be clear. That is the bad thing. So him wearing like opaque sunscreen, is actually like good for the environment or something, mm. but it's terrifying. Yeah. What is he holding on to? Why is his butt? Perky. He's on so if there's a full picture, <laughs> he's on like a like a wakeboard kind of thing. Like oh, he's okay. like skiing, but pose. not a ski. It's like a, a board. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this was just to give you a little bit closer. I can't look at it. No. It's, it's like that's it's seriously horrifying. that. Like oh no. 